The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his countenance was altered and his raiment became dazzling white. And behold, two men talked with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but kept awake. And they saw his glory, the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is well that we are here. Let us make three booths, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he said this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silence and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. very beautiful feast day that we celebrate today, the transfiguration of the Lord, where he infuses into his disciples um, a courage that comes from having a glimpse of his glory, a glimpse of the glory of the one whom they have been following, the beautiful power and the mystery of Christ as the Son of the Father. And they receive this not only a glimpse in terms of actual sensible glimpse of his glory, this kind of dazzling uh, glory that comes out from Christ, but also they receive a deeper knowledge even of his relationship to the Father. They hear the voice of the Father. And as they have all these moments of intimacy here with the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit then prefigured as well or made in a certain sense visible in the cloud that comes and overshadows them, the same Holy Spirit that overshadowed Our Lady at the moment of the Incarnation. Now you have this cloud kind of descending upon the apostles, the three of them, um, in this beautiful moment of intimacy with God. And we've looked at this scene before in terms of the mystery of the Mass, but it's also helpful to look at this scene in terms of progress in prayer. We can see that when Jesus took with him Peter and John and James, he went up the mountain with a particular intention to pray, to pray. And so what he's going to show them in this scene is also how to pray and to persevere in prayer and also how to progress in moments of prayer and what is its purpose. So he takes with him Peter and James and John and they went up the mountain to pray. They've moved away from the multitudes. They've moved away from the crowds. and They're moving up into a lonely place as the Lord often does when he goes to seek time alone to prayer, he, for prayer. He either goes up into the mountain or he goes out in, on his own into the wilderness, or he seeks these different places where he can be alone. He shows the importance of a particular type of solitude for prayer. 
Now that doesn't mean that we have to go off to a place where there is no one else, but it is important to find a place where all of the distractions of the world are kind of lifted from us, where we can enter into some more quiet prayer. For us, the most beautiful place that we can come and pray is in the same, in this, I suppose, the same reality that was present to the apostles. It's in the presence of Jesus. He's the one who is there with them. He's present to them. And so also for us, if we want to go up this mountain of prayer with the Lord, we come into his presence and we can sit with him in quiet, in solitude, in stillness of heart and mind, because that is the other part of prayer that is important as they move up the mountain. It is a beautiful image of what prayer is, which is the elevation of the mind and the heart to God. Very simply, that's all prayer is in its essence, the elevation of our mind and our heart to God done with and in and through Christ. And as he was praying, that line is important because he is showing to his disciples what happens in a spiritual sense as we pray. One of the greatest answers to prayer is the transfiguration, if you will, or the transformation of the person who is praying. Even though we might pray for other things and meditate upon Christ, we are transformed by this activity. As he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, the face. So also as we pray, our very appearance is changed. The person we are is changed and transformed through the act of prayer. His raiment became dazzling white in the same way that when we pray, we are also purified through Christ. We are also purified through his grace through his blood which washes us. He has no need, obviously, of this purification. This is something that in a moment is made visible to them. It is the constant reality of Christ, this glory, this, the dazzling whiteness of his garments. But they are allowed to glimpse in a moment what is always true for him. But it is not always true for us. For us, it is something that we only reach by progression and by prayer. And so he shows in a certain sense in this moment of this transfiguration, a glimpse of what we are to become. We are to become more and more like him in every way. We share with him in this life, in his sufferings, so that we might participate with him in the next life, in his glory, in his radiance. And behold, there are two men talking with Christ, Moses and Elijah, it shows the importance for us in the spiritual life, especially as we want to elevate our mind to God, which is to turn our mind to the scriptures and to look deeply into the scriptures and see how they are fulfilled, all of the Old Testament in Christ, and then to look at the mystery of Christ and continue that contemplation. So as they see Moses and Elijah speaking with Christ, it's a beautiful image of how the old, the law and the prophets are all fulfilled in Jesus. And as they are departing from him after speaking about his own exodus that he will accomplish at Jerusalem as he will lead his people into salvation, Peter responds, it says, they are all heavy with sleep at first. And this is unfortunately what is very common for us, especially as we come towards mental prayer. <laughs> we can all be very heavy with sleep. One of the most difficult things in terms of mental prayer is overcoming those initial kind of 
tiredness of the mind, tiredness of the heart, persevering in those moments where we might be falling asleep. Because what happens is as we leave the distractions and the noise of the world, and as we come into stillness, there's a certain natural tendency to then sleep, right? But we have to persevere through that, allow our mind to contemplate Christ, because as soon as our mind becomes interested in Christ and perceives in him deeper mystery and meaning, what happens to the disciples also happens to us. They were, it says, heavy with sleep, but then they are awakened when they see his glory, when they perceive something deeper. And that also happens in prayer as we perceive some deeper meaning, as our mind is deeply engaged and our heart becomes more engaged. So also then we truly wake up. And Peter responds, not knowing what to do to this mystery. He says, it is well that we are here. That is true. Whenever we are in prayer with God, whenever he is sharing with us the deep mysteries of his life, it is well that we are there. And then he says, let us make three booths, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He wants to contain this beautiful experience. As well, we want to try and do that in prayer, sometimes in the moments of either deep consolation or deep enlightenment. We want to control that experience, and that's not what we can do. In prayer, we are always passive to God. We always allow Him that control. We relinquish that control in prayer. He is the one who guides. He is the one who gives. He is the one who enlightens. He is the one whom we subject ourselves to. And so what happens is the Lord then gives them this overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. And in this beautiful encounter, in this overshadowing, a voice speaks to them, the voice of the Father. This is the purpose of our prayer, the purpose of as we follow Christ, is that we are led to the Father through Christ. No one knows the Father but the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And so we can see that they are led into an intimacy with the Father through following this beautiful prayer with Christ. And that is also what happens to us as we continue in this journey of prayer. This is my Son, in the Greek it says, the Beloved, the Beloved. Listen to him. If we want to be beloved of the Father, pleasing to him, we must listen to Christ. But the word there in the Greek, it doesn't mean just simply to hear and then forget. It means to hear and understand, to take in all of his words with understanding. That is transformative for us, and that is essential for our life of prayer. The one constant that we have in this entire scene is Jesus. He is there in the beginning, and then at the end it says, he was found alone. Jesus was found alone. He is the one constant for us in prayer. We do not get to the Father but by the Son. We do not progress in prayer but by Jesus. He is the one who begins our life of prayer. He is also its culmination, him and him alone. And so as we celebrate this beautiful feast, we pray for that grace to persevere in prayer, the necessary aspect of our life in terms of our sanctification. We cannot become holy without prayer.
Prayer is essential for the life of the Christian. It is not something that we can neglect. To neglect it is to neglect progress in holiness. Prayer is essential to us, but it must be prayer with Christ, particularly prayer in his presence, and also particularly focused on his words so that we can listen to him and become transformed and become beloved of our Heavenly Father. Amen.